shall appear from a far eastern land across the sea. A young man who has yet to know his potential. This potential is a power that could either destroy him or realize his will. His courage shall determine his fate. The path he must traverse fraught with adversity, I await whilst praying. For this destiny predetermined since ancient times. A pitch black night unfolds with the morning star as its only light. And thus the saga begins. Welcome to another amazing episode of Retrovaniacs. As always, I'm Jeremy Parmentier here with Jeremy Gregory. Hey, guys. And Billy Holiday. Hello there. And uh, like we said last episode, we're going to kind of break our own rules and cover a game that came out after the N64. Uh, we're going to cover Shenmue uh, in honor of the Shenmue HD re-release for Shenmue 1 and 2 for the PS4. Uh, but we're going to be mainly focusing on Shenmue 1. Uh, and even though I did play the HD remake, I think it's pretty much... Uh, the same exact game as the as the original Dreamcast version, because uh, I did play through that actually several months ago, at least partially way through, and this is pretty much the same. But before we dive straight into Shenmue, Jeremy, what have you been playing since our last episode? Well, I finally picked up Hollow Knight. I, I realize oh, that no. I am years late to the train with, with <laughs> to this one. Uh I, I've heard so much about it, but I never really gave it a chance. I never bought it. It finally came out on the Switch and Xbox One and PlayStation 4. Uh, and and I, I was like, all right, you know, I'll try it. I, I played Chasm. It was fun, but I wasn't really into it. But everyone was just like, you know, the the real deal. If you want to get into something that is like Symphony of the Night, but is, you know, the the high standard for, for that kind of game today, you need to play Hollow Knight. So I was like, all right, you know, I, I've seen pictures of it before. I've seen gameplay, but it always just kind of, I wasn't really a fan of the whole art style, uh, the color palette, everything about it. I was just like, eh. But I, I went ahead and grabbed it for like eleven ninety nine, and man, that game's great. It's it's really interesting. <laughs> I mean, it, it seems like kind of one of those games that that really just wants you to get lost in the world that is created. It really doesn't have like a. a a map or it, it does, but it's not really, you have to kind of buy parts of the map as you go along. It doesn't automatically mm -hmm. map it out, but yes, this is very much a Metroidvania style game. I'm not very far into it, but what I've played so far, it seems like it's, it's going to be a, a really great game. I just grabbed I, that for the PS4 uh, as well. And I, I may be an hour in and you're yes, it reminds me a lot of the original Metroid or super Metroid where 
you know, it, it doesn't necessarily tell you where to go. You can kind of go any place at first, but you obviously, you know, you can't jump high enough to get to that ledge or, you know, there's a, a, a obviously a gate here that I can't figure out how to open, but it's, it's great. It is, it is animated extremely well. Uh, it's mm-hmm. good and, and, you know, kind of spooky. So it works out well for, for uh-huh. like October coming up. So I'm going to definitely play more of that. So, but I, I do recommend it as well. Not far into it. So maybe, uh, next episode we can say we're farther into it and say, no, we, we changed our mind. But based on everything I brought <laughs> online, we're not going to change our mind. It looks excellent. Yeah. It's oh, got yeah. A, a great sense of just exploration and, and finding things like that. That seems like so far, that's one of my favorite things about it. And because it doesn't have that map, it encourages you to explore these large maze like levels, but it's not maze like in a bad way. So I have every new room I go into. It's, it's kind of fun to see what's going to be there because it's kind of got a little bit of dark souls in it. Of, of you finding things and you just not knowing what exactly you found yet, but later on it may make sense. So yeah, uh, check back next podcast where we're just like, I hate this fucking game, but right now it's <laughs> it's pretty good. Well, since since you brought up Hollow Knight, I, I have played a little bit of Hollow Knight. Otherwise, unfortunately, all I've been playing is the Fall Festival for Monster Hunter uh, World. Oh. So I don't want to talk about it uh, based on your groans. I'm sure everyone's <laughs> tired of hearing about it. Uh, but I will say I've finished every fight now in the game successfully other than Arch-Tempered Kirin and the uh, new harder version of the uh, Final Fantasy um, boss. But I also made a foolish decision, and I haven't played one since the original release. Uh, but my kids were, were bored, I was looking for something to do, and I bought a copy of Mario Party 10 for the Wii U. Oh, and I'll tell oh you, no. after about 20 minutes, uh, there was blood drawn. Both of my children now hate each other and me. Uh, our whole family's not speaking. Mario Party, just as mean as I recall. Uh, also, not mm-hmm. very fun. I don't know why they're on 10. I thought that maybe there had been some, some new super fun additions, but no, it's the same kind of game where you just hate everyone else you're playing with. I, I think I might be the only person here that hasn't played a Mario Party since the original Mario Party back on was it sixty four? Yeah, and sixty four. Yeah, I have not played. I played that once, and I was like, I I cannot ever play this with anyone else because I'll just kill them. Like I will choke yeah. someone to death over Mario Party. I don't know what it is about that game that just makes people like the worst, the worst kind of person when you play Mario Party. I'm not a fan. I <laughs> have also gotten into several, several of uh, verbal altercations from Mario, and, and it's double inched. If you play with friends, uh, inevitably someone's going to make someone else mad. And if you play against the computer, they get some fucking lucky rolls on there. Well, I thought at least with this, if it, there's a version that's like Bowser mode, and again, this could have been something that's been in every version since the original, but uh, I don't remember from the original, but one person gets to be the bad guy, and everyone else is on a team, and you're just trying to outrun Bowser. So I thought that would be fun, like, I'll be Bowser, and then everyone can hate me, and that's fine, because that's the normal the normal process mm-hmm. in my house. But instead, still, it was like, there's all these things where randomly you can take hearts from other people, or you push the buttons too fast and no one can see the directions. It just It's a game designed specifically to tear apart families. I thought Monopoly was the king, but I think Mario Party may have taken it. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, Billy, other than Mario Party, which you have not been playing, what else have you been playing? I've been... Oh, I, I finished up Spider-Man. Uh, finally went through. Uh, there were a few loose ends left uh, that I I picked up and, and eagerly anticipating the DLC for that to come around. Uh, can't recommend that one enough still. Uh, after that, I was kind of going through the list of uh, 
you know, just games on the on the, the PS4 that I had either purchased on a, a sale or some, you know, some of the free offerings from uh, from Plus every month to see what I had that I might be able to play on through. Uh, and, and started up a game that I had heard a lot of good about uh, and hadn't intended to play, but just... Uh, other games just kept popping up that one. That was that Mad Max. I know it came out a while back, uh, and I didn't really think much about it. Mainly, you know, with the whole uh, movie tie-in thing, usually it's not a uh, always a good recipe for a video game. But uh, I'd heard a lot of good things, and upon playing it, man, that's the real deal. It's not bad. No, I love it. I, it it's one of the first games I bought for my my PS4, and I don't regret mm-hmm. it. It's it's not a game I can play a lot. Like I won't sit there and and pound oh, through no. it because I'm trying to I'm kind doing, of do everything. I'm doing so. a mission at a time, pretty much. Yeah, so I'll play like for a couple hours, and then I'll get really into it for a couple of days, and then I'll I'll put it back away for a while and play, unfortunately, more Monster Hunter or something else. But I'll, then I'll come back to it every time. It's quick to pick up. It's uh, it's easy to make some some progress in a couple hours. I, I love it. Well, a game that is not easy to make progress in in a couple hours <laughs> is the game we're going to focus on today, Shenmue, originally for the Sega Dreamcast. This is one that uh, I always knew about. I knew this game existed. Uh, I, I had a Dreamcast, and you know this was always at the top of like the, the the best games out there for that Dreamcast. And and I just never encountered it in in the store. I think I've talked about past episodes. Uh, you know, I lived in a small town, and the uh, weren't many stores to pick out video games, and and none of them ever had a good Dreamcast selection. It had the same same handful. Um, so you never saw this one, never played this one as the years went on, just kind of, you know, forgot about this one. Uh, second one came around, and it wasn't until uh, the, the hubbub over the uh, third one potentially coming out in the future that uh, I was reminded this series uh, even existed, which which was a shame because uh, I know a lot of people, you, you two included, people that played it back at the time that, you know, swear by this one. Yeah, I, I played this back when it, it came out originally uh, as uh, the original Japanese release. We had a, a little import game stop or game store here called uh, Game World, and it was run by a giant pile of shit. And he would he actually like uh, <laughs> lied to me multiple times. Because I was a kid back then, you know. I, I mean, maybe like thirteen, fourteen. I don't fucking know, but like. He would he lied to me multiple times about how accessible an import game was, and he did this to me with Symphony of the Night, which I'll talk about whenever we cover that. And he did it to me with Shinmu, 
And he was like, it was the big thing that, that, that came out at the time. All the magazines were just raving about it. And everyone was like, you know, when this comes out here in the U.S., you need to play it. Because mm-hmm. it is, it is, it's a game changer. I was like, well, fuck, I can just go to Game World right now and buy it. He's got it. He's selling it for 80 bucks. I can do that and just play it right now and see what everyone's talking about. So I went there and he just bold-faced lied to me saying that this was perfectly playable. You don't need any other help. You can just put it in your your Dreamcast and you're good to go. So I did, and that thing is incomprehensible (laughs) if you played the the Japanese version. I, I did not. I tried my best. And, of course about an hour or two in to a, a game that is basically just nothing but Japanese all the way through uh, text, everything. I had no clue what I was doing. It looked great. It looked really pretty. But uh, besides that, I actually had to wait until the U S release came out to when I finally got to play it and understand it. And that's when I, I kind of, I was sucked into the world of, of Shinmu for the first time. Hmm. Yeah, I had, I had still worked at the uh, Electronics Boutique when this came out. Again, I was a huge Dreamcast supporter, and this was when we kept pushing because the, the you know, as soon as the Dreamcast came out, it was like the whole store changed all the merchandising over to PlayStation 2. Like, no, no, forget this thing. Forget, Don't even push it. It'll be over there in the corner. We're going to push this other thing. And I felt bad, so I kept pushing Dreamcast for people I knew that was into it, and Shenmue was one of those games that everybody was like, when this comes out, it's going to blow everyone's minds. This is going to be the, you know, the game that pushes the Dreamcast well above the competition. And I bought it, and I mean, I won't lie and say that I immediately fell in love with it, but uh, after getting through some of the awkwardness, I did finish it. I did enjoy it. I wanted to continue playing it. Um, but it it did take a little bit to get into it. But before we get too far into, you know, what makes things work or not work or the story, um, there's a lot of background to Shenmue. I mean, Shenmue was originally supposed to be out on the Saturn, uh, the, the console before the Dreamcast that failed miserably in the United States. Um, but because it didn't do as the Saturn wasn't doing as well and because this game wasn't as far along uh, it did get moved to the Dreamcast it was originally supposed to be the Virtual Fighter RPG Akira's story uh, and actually if you can find footage of it online I think actually right before this Jeremy you linked us some it, it's actually footage from the Virtual Fighter RPG um, mm. which you can see where they took I mean literally they just took the character and changed his haircut and gave him a jacket and <laughs> you have a new uh-huh. character than who was on the original game. But I'm sure the story also branched farther out. Uh, I, that was one of the other reasons is that um, this was a game developed by uh, Yu Suzuki who was a, a hard hitter over at Sega. He put out a lot of their 80s and 90s arcade classics. Hang On, Outrun, Space Harrier, Afterburner, uh, most notably Virtual Fighter and Virtual Racing. So for someone at, at Sega to make a Virtual Fighter RPG, he was the guy to choose. And he, he got really into the idea. He wanted to make a massive game that was kind of an RPG, kind of an action game. He, he went as far as to, to go to China and scout out places he wanted to have his game. And he ended up deciding it was way too big and, and way too uh, involved to stay with Virtual Fighter. So it became its own IP. And, and that's where Shenmue came from. Uh, it was in development for five years until it finally showed up in 1999. Uh, and it's, it's supposed to have been the most expensive video game up to that point at $70 million dollars. Uh, reported now that now that's not so bad i mean you know ea spending more than that on uh, 
Battlefield 7 or whatever's coming mm-hmm. out. But at the time, that was a lot. And especially on a system that really didn't have a good foothold in, in, uh, in many places of the world. So everyone that owned a Dreamcast would essentially have to buy this game two or three times to make its money back, uh, which obviously did not happen. So despite that it sold fairly well, it's the fourth best-selling game in the Dreamcast, uh, it kind of was seen as a failure, unfortunately. Um, Shenmue was, was, was ambitious. I'll give it that. It had a lot of, of ideas of where basically you could do whatever you want. And it was a giant world, and you, the idea was you could you could go talk to anybody you see, and you if you see like a, a drawer, you can open it. If you see a door, you can open it. it you know anything you, you could want to do, which now you know in 2018 that doesn't seem like a big deal. I mean, you can do that in Grand Theft Auto, but at the time that was amazing and it was unheard of. And uh, and this game was supposed to be 16 games long. Uh, <laughs> and, I mean, technically 16 chapters long. Uh, this game is chapter one of 16. Uh, and uh, and that is that's ambitious. I'll, I'll give it that. I, I mean, normally I don't even like to read a shit. book that has three books involved in it, but to know ahead of time you have a sixteen chapter arc, and you're going to spend seventy million dollars on essentially chapter one, is uh, is is bold. That's a bold move. Did this man <laughs> his tour of China? Did it consist of a couple city streets, a warehouse, and a dock? Uh, no, that that actually. Uh, he did. He, this game doesn't even take you to China. Unfortunately, this game keeps you entirely in Japan. All that traveling oh. is for the later chapters that were not put out. Uh, he he wanted to ride off a vacation, didn't he? Well, I, I mean, again, it's not like they just found a guy to do this, and they, it's not even like they found a, a professional director that that does movies that was like, now I'm going to turn a movie into a game. This was a game developer, a, a major game developer at Sega, who just. You know, got got creative control to do whatever he wanted, and uh, and he did. And I can't like as much as you were talking about how hard this game was pushed. I can't stress how hard Sega was pushing this game out to everyone. Mm-hmm. Like this was one of if there was one thing that was hyped in and and on this on the Sega Dreamcast, it was Shinmu. Right. And I, I think obviously Sega knew how much was writing on this game and how much they had spent on making it that it was just everywhere. Like when I, I originally got my import Sega Dreamcast back when it first launched, it came with a, a disc and one of them or a big chunk of it was like this huge video of Yu Suzuki sitting there for like 40 minutes talking about Shinmu. Mm-hmm. It was all in Japanese and there were no subtitles. I had no clue what he was saying, but I remember watching the entire thing just so I could see like the, the various uh, gameplay videos that were interspersed throughout the video. And even back then, I was like, oh, man, this looks amazing. You can just go up to that desk and open it. There's shit inside of that desk that you can pick up and put in your pocket. That was amazing back in the day. Yeah. And, and like, it was very obvious that Yu Suzuki was very passionate about what he was making. Like, he believed in this 100%, and he wanted this to happen. Like, he had this huge idea and a story arc and everything that was going to happen and Sega was going to help him make his dream game, and and Shinmu was what we got, <laughs> for better or worse. You know, it's we'll, we'll talk about it more. But yes, this this game was pushed to the sky by Sega mm-hmm. just just so everyone would know about it. Well, even it was pushed even more than a game. I mean, all the promotional materials. There are people playing it, and, and they'll say things like, "This is a a new form of media. It's not quite a movie. It's not quite a game. It's this new thing that's going to change the world." Like it really was pushed as a mind blowing multimedia experience. And I know that that kind of happens, unfortunately, a lot. But in this case, it it really was 
kind of a game changer. Now, it, it didn't necessarily hit on all the marks, but it was ambitious. And, and when you look at what's going on now, a lot of the things this game did uh, are now commonplace. And I don't know if they would be if this game never existed. So I do have some warnings before we continue on our discussion of Shenmue. One, I normally don't like to discuss plot, but one, uh, you know, as this is is a, a chapter one of sixteen, I'm gonna discuss the plot to some level. I'm gonna try to avoid being uh, extremely dull with, you know, oh, talk to this person, then talk to this person, and then you get a shoe and give this shoe to Tom, and Tom. Does, no, I'm not gonna do that, but no, we'll probably hit some major this, plot. This will points. not be the first twelve-hour episode. No, uh, no. <laughs> I will read verbatim from the text of the game for twelve and a half hours. No, it, it won't be that. Uh, but I am gonna probably, you know, I, I think we do need to cover the story, uh, especially mm-hmm. since that Shenmue 2 obviously is created it and and so that means that the story did continue at least a little bit past this and uh, and as Jeremy said earlier uh, Shenmue 3 was crowdfunded and it was a big deal and that's coming out in theory in 2019 we'll see if it happens but this HD collection is kind of a a step in that direction so mm-hmm. um so so yeah there will be some discussion of the plot the second warning is that while I can't speak for everybody else I am a dullard so I apologize for when I miss Speak and missay every name in this game, despite that they say them, and I should have paid more attention. Uh, I guarantee you, even the main character's name, I'm probably saying wrong. So, this game, you play as Ryo Hazoki. Uh, you, uh, the game starts, I mean, full force. You go back home, you, uh, you go to your family dojo, because everyone has a family dojo, and you see your father uh, being confronted by a group of men, including a mysterious Chinese man, which you wouldn't think I'd normally say the phrase mysterious Chinese man, but you will hear it a lot in this game. Uh, his name is Lan Di, and he basically is threatening your father for something called the Dragon Mirror. Uh, you charge in because you're an idiot and of course get held up and and they threaten to kill you so your father gives tells him where the uh dragon mirror will be uh, and of course then they kill him and and leave you with your dying father that's where the game starts and so you've now got to figure out who this person was uh why, why what's the dragon mirror why was your father holding it you know, and get your revenge on your father's death a very very standard you know kind of movie setup but it's actually, I mean, I even now, yes, it's a little clunky looking because they didn't do anything other than make the graphics a little crisper. Uh, but it's still a, a good intro to the game. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's a classic start to a story. I mean, especially that kind of, you know, if you if ever watched any sort of uh, martial arts story or anything like that in that sort of vein, you know, a lot of them start out like this. You know, mm-hmm. you've, your father's been killed you need to avenge your father by finding this shady guy or something it's a story as old as time but it's uh it's done well for the especially for the time and and, but this is about the time you start to you're like is something wrong with my game because the sound in this game uh the voices uh you're not hearing things this is just the way it sounds it's it literally sounds like someone has recorded something on real audio or the real player back mm-hmm. in like 1999 and and has stuck it in into a game. I think where uh, this is uh, not a lot of that 70 million went into the voice recording. Uh, the best I can say is someone didn't turn off a box fan in the recording studio that day. Uh, and it, it's like a foot from the microphone. It, it sounds like everybody's in a, some kind of bizarre wind tunnel. And I mean, you, you have to think back to when, it, but there was better voice quality. Like I, I'm not, t- it's it's obviously uh, voice acting on par 
maybe with that first Resident Evil. I mean, it's pretty clunky. You know, some of the lines are delivered awkwardly. But I'll give it that. That's fine. I think that's that's part of the charm. Like uh, Jeremy said, the premise is already, if you watched any of those, you know, if you woke up early Saturday or Sunday morning and watched some of those kind of cheesy kung fu, kung fu flicks, which which I love. That's it's always the plot of usually a guy out out for revenge, uh, you know, out to regain his honor from some wronging, uh, you know, and and the, the dialogue in a lot of that when you that it gets dubbed over is is stilted and and delivered awkwardly like this. But man, there was better quality recording quality back then. This was a this was jarring to yeah, say the least. Yeah. I, I think I should mention that I wasn't talking about. Just uh, of course, it is bad voice acting all around. Yeah, but yeah. but that I gives mean, there's, this game. There's there's charm to that. Yes, the charm is there. What I'm talking about is the actual yeah. sound quality. Yeah. It is bad, and it's un- I, it's it's unusual. It takes you out of it. it it's yes, and I, I guess I'm sure Jeremy knows more about this than I do. But the the Dreamcast game was on a GD ROM, which I believe the the maximum size was a gigabyte of information, and so it had to have not only the Japanese soundtrack mm. and the English soundtrack. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. that takes up a lot of space in a game yeah. this large. If you play any sort of modern game these days and and look at the voice files, if it has multiple voice files, like that's what takes up the majority of space when you download these games. Like these yeah. are huge. Uh, the, the size of these soundtracks or, or the voice soundtrack is massive. So the, the Japanese voice track is apparently a better quality. Like I, I've heard that even if you um, mm. switch to the the Japanese voice track on this new uh, the new remaster, that mm. it is a slightly better quality because the mm. it didn't take up as much room as the yeah. English voice track. So that's why the English voice track just sounds horrendous. It's just because it took up so much space and they had to compress it to hell to get it on that disc yeah. or across those three discs on on the. You know, it kind of sucks that they couldn't really do anything with the remaster and make that sound better, but it's using the original file, and if anybody's ever ever worked with a sound file before, it's really hard to make okay. something like that sound better without tons and tons and tons of time and work. Yeah, yeah that's that, that's a shame, and because, uh, like we've, I'll, I'll reiterate, I mean, the, we, I don't think any of us have any problem with the cheesiness of the dialogue or delivery. But, but it's, I mean, it's just a shame because it is a, a nice looking game and it would just, it would be nice if, you know, if the, if the sound was kind of on par with that. Uh, well, I, yeah, I think you're right. It is just the, the, the way they have to compress the sound to fit all on the disc. Mm-hmm. Uh, but also apparently they were determined to do the English voice track in Japan. So they found anyone they knew that could speak English and gave them all these lines <laughs> that they wrote kind of haphazardly, and had them read them. So a lot of these are probably, you know, one or two takes of something that someone just read. And the game is set up so that when you're talking to people, um, they can say several different things depending on when you talk to them, what the story point is. Uh, but also, you know, if, if you talk to them over and over again, they, they slightly change what they say. And so sometimes those things don't chain uh, necessarily well into what would be conversation. It doesn't. It's not gibberish mm-hmm. by any means. It's not like you just walk up to somebody and they just yell out random words. But sometimes they'll say things where they say the same 
information to you two or three times, much like I do on this podcast half the time. But they'll say, you know, oh, hi, Rio, how are you? And then there's a button you can continue the conversation. And it's like, Rio, what can I do for you? You're like, okay, well, mm-hmm. why would you have said that that way? I mean, it's it's definitely, it happens over and over again, especially if you're asking a question. Um, one of the first things you're doing is looking for information on a black car. So you'll walk up to somebody and you'll say, do you remember what happened that day? First off, he never says what happened that day. But do you remember what happened that day? And you mean the day it turned to snow? Yes. Did you see a black car? Huh. Did I see a black car? And then it, it waits and you can push a button and it's like, so about that black car? He's like, yes, I did see a black car. Like, it's a very weird, stilted conversation. I don't know if they assume you're going to talk to someone once and then walk away, even though it lets you talk to them again. But, mm-hmm. um, you know, and also that could just be because there are so many variables of how a conversation can go. Hey, Ryo. It's about that day. Yeah. Did you see anything unusual? The day the snow turned to rain, right? That's right. It was really chilly, so I raised the temperature for preparing the dough a little bit higher than usual. But I guessed wrong, and the dough didn't rise properly. Well, see you. That day... Did you see a black car? A black car? Yeah. Did you see a black car pass by here at high speed? Well, now. I don't remember seeing one. I see. A black car. Well, why don't you ask around? Thanks. I mean, again, I found it charming, <laughs> but it, uh, it definitely <laughs> is. It, if you'd never played this before and, and you're, I don't know, 10... And, and you've only played current games, this would seem bizarre to you, how, how this English all fits together uh, in these conversations. And that is what you're going to do for, for, I'd say, most of the game, is, uh, you know, when they said they wanted to make a game that's immersive, that you can do anything, you can do anything, and you walk around, you know, little uh, a little city based on the actual city of Dobuita in Yokosuka, Japan. I'm guaranteeing you I'm saying all those things wrong. Uh, it's broken out into to really five areas. Uh, you have your house, uh, which you can walk through every room of your house, open every drawer, uh, talk to the, the, the two people that live there. Uh, I mean, anything you want to do in that house, it's pretty much able. You can go to the bathroom. I don't know what you'd want to, but you can. I mean, anything you want to do in your house, you can do it. And it's it's 3D. You, you know, you walk around in 3D. It's not like it's a, a, a point-and-click adventure. I mean, you're walking around. You, are, you see your character third person, and you walk around, and... Uh, you can switch to a first-person view when you can zoom in on things, and then if you push the button, he might pick it up. And, uh, for example, you can pick up you know, a set of batteries, and he'll pull it in his fingers. And then you can use the other stick to move his fingers around, and then he puts it right back down. <laughs> and you can do that with almost everything you see in your house. It, it's impressive uh, and quite useless, and, and in many ways obnoxious, because you're just trying to figure out what to do next, and instead you're, you know, examining every piece of silverware in the kitchen because you can and <laughs> you don't know what else to do with yourself but at the same time you know I, I it's yes if you play this now that is just going you're going to be like why am i why do why is this game wasting my time like this but at the same time you know when it, it, playing it back then being able to do stuff like that was incredibly immersive no other game that i had played let you do stuff like that even just picking up and looking at something was like holy shit you can just pick that up and look at it it, it sounds stupid but uh, being able to do that back then, it, it really gave that world uh, an, an immersive quality that no other game that I had played had, had really tried to do before. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, and and of course I didn't play this at the time, uh, but I can appreciate you know uh, how innovative that was. Um, I obviously having not played this, uh, it was probably several years later before I would play a game that even kind of remotely was like that. So that's that aspect of it. I have to say very very ahead of its time. Um, and I am, am, am quite impressed. Uh, I mean, I think even if you didn't play it back then, if you grew up playing games back then, you can kind of, kind of know how big of a deal that is to have that kind of, like, it's all minor stuff, but still it feels like a great deal of freedom in a, in a video game that you hadn't had up to that point. Well, and, and like I said, most of the time you're going to be walking around in this kind of environment, going into people's houses or knocking on their doors or whatever, asking uh. questions to try to push the story forward. Um, there are some some goofy side quests, and there's a lot of little things you can do uh, just because you can. But generally, most of this game is walking around the areas, talking to people, trying to figure out yeah. the, you know, a, a, a direction that will lead you to the next thing. You know, I, I need to find more about the car. And someone says, oh, I think the car had a, a you know, a Chinese person in it. So then you're walking around asking people about Chinese people. And it's it's extremely awkward sounding where it's like, hi, I have a question about the Chinese. And someone's like, well, why don't you ask a Chinese person? I'm like, well, that's, this is good. This is good, good solid script here. But that's most of, most of the game. And honestly, the hardest part of the game for me is was figuring out, you know, exactly who I needed to talk to or, or did I have to talk to someone at a certain time? I had to find a person. You know, sometimes they're like, oh, you need to find this guy. He has a tattoo on his arm. And you're like, oh, I have to walk around town and look at everyone's arm and see if I can find a guy with a tattoo. It ends up being easier than that. If you talk to more people, eventually they give you more clues till eventually it says, you know, you should go to the arcade at 9 p.m. And it eventually spells it out for you. Uh, but but it does require you to talk to a lot of people. Uh, and, and that means hearing a whole lot of inane dialogue, which is charming. But especially when you're trying to, you know, you're like, okay, I'm, I've had a good time doing these random things. I'd love to progress the story forward. There's definitely a few moments where you're like, if I have to talk to these people any more times because I'm going to lose my mind, uh, then, then perhaps <laughs> this is not the game for you. Uh, there is a fortune teller you can find in the Dobuita section. Uh, she will give you clues. If you talk to enough people and you're not sure what to do, she will give you a you know, actually some fairly detailed clues on what you're supposed to do. But you can't just go to her over and over again. You have to talk to other people first. And after you've unlocked so many clues, she will give you some additional clues. Uh, so that's useful. You, I, I did not know if I was going to be able to get through this game um, the, the first night. Uh, uh, for, you know, when we decided we were going to play this one, I, I think I immediately started playing after we, we you know, finished recording. Uh, and, and within the hour, I was... Mm. You know, I, I just, I wasn't ready. I, I, uh, I, I will find, you will find as we review this game that I severely underestimated everything you guys would say about it. You know, when you guys were having conversations back and forth about it and, and, you know, I would I'd pick up on things here and there, but I thought, oh, it can't be that bad or, oh, that can't be literal. Um, but yeah, I, I mean, uh, that's a, it's a good intro. And, you know, your your father's been killed. You're fucking bubbling up for revenge. You're going to go out there. You're going to beat somebody's ass. No, you're going to collect fucking capsule toys. You're going to walk up fucking using those oh, fucking tank controls. You're going to walk up these steps, try to navigate these apartment steps just to find out every door is locked. No one's there. There's one fucking old man, but he doesn't want to talk to you. Uh, and you're just going to roam these streets endlessly. I, it was a. Uh, it wasn't the direction 
that, I, that I thought the game was going to take I mean, you, right after your father's death. You, you, yeah, you see that amazing uh, emotional intro, and you're just like, you're, 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 your blood's boiling. You're like, just let's like, oh, go. Yeah, let's, I'm just, let's do this. And let's now like help this Japanese woman, this old Japanese woman, find a, a house. Ooh, that's and, oh and s- slowly walk around these streets and zoom in on every single one of these wall plaques. So and uh, waiting to to find the one that she's trying to find. I mean, it I, is the pacing of this game is is just something else. I will stop to play with that cat. Yeah, yeah the that's cat. fine. That's acceptable. Yeah, cat's that, fine. Well, that the the whole first section of the game is is you know you you, you leave. I guess I, if you break the game in the halves, right? The first half mm-hmm. is getting it to Dobuita, the main the main area, the main town business area, uh, and then figuring out you're supposed to go to the harbor. And then the second half mm-hmm. of the the game is is kind of in the harbor, although you will go back and forth a little bit. Um, and, and the idea being, you're going to find clues that will eventually let you know that that Landy is headed to China, and you need to follow him. Uh, and that means going to the harbor. Um, but of course, that would be a five-minute game. Um, this game does not just walk around talking to people. Uh, it's got some, several other important mechanics. Uh, first off, is it has an, an okay fighting engine. It's not uh, wonderful because I don't think it translates well into open world, but it's, it's the mm-hmm. virtual fighter fighting engine. It's it's yeah. a little bit dumbed down. You have a whole list of moves. You can go back to your dojo anytime and, and train and work on your moves. Uh, they look really impressive to you. Need to use them in combat, and then they're less impressive. But they they do give you a large amount of moves. Now, that said, for most of the game, you're gonna just do a lot of punching and kicking and mashing on buttons, and you'll probably get through get these fights pretty mm-hmm. easily. Um, but it is there. You also can't just fight whenever you want. You can't just walk up to somebody and you know, punch them or challenge them to a fight or whatever. Right. You can only fight or tell me about the black car. Uh, right. No, instead you can it. ask them about the black car uh, and you can threaten them sort of, uh, <laughs> but, but you can't <laughs> fight anyone. You can't just walk up and fight. There's certain events that will start with fights. Um, other than when you go to your, your dojo, you can spar with your, your, I think he's your brother or something. I don't know. You could spar with the guy who lives in your house that may not be your brother. doesn't matter. Uh, but that's where the only time in the, the very beginning of the game you get to actually fight. Uh, for most mm-hmm. of the, the first half of that game, there, there was a couple fights and you get into a bar fight where you actually get to really fight. Um, but the rest of the time, you do a lot of what are, are now just called quick time events. At the time, they, there were not many games that used this. I guess Dragon's Lair. Uh, but, but not many games used quick time events. In this game made it a staple of the game. There's loads of things you do where it, you know, all of a sudden an arrow will flash on the screen or an X or a circle. You have to hit at the right time to continue the, you know, the, the section forward. Uh, a lot of the time, you know, it's, you're, you're chasing somebody and they push cartons, so you have to push the button to jump over the cartons or else you stumble and you're like, oh, I'm sorry. And if you mess up enough of these QTEs, uh, you, will, you will fail and then have to redo the section. Uh, nothing is... Uh, permanent, like you can't fail a QTE. There's there's games that use it now where if you fail it, you have to go through a harder section, maybe more combat, or uh, you have to go through a race, or, or whatever else, or, or a game like uh, Until Dawn, which is a great Halloween title, by the way. Mm, uh, yeah. But that one, if you fail a QTE, you just kill somebody, and that's the end of it. You you've, you've lost one of your party members. Move on. No way to go back. So this doesn't have that that much of a a death sentence to these QTEs, but they're important, but it does mean that some of them, especially later in the game, you're just going to play through them over and over again until you've memorized when they come up, what order they're in, so you can get through it. Because otherwise, you just have to replay it over and over and over again. And this is where, even when I was a kid, 
I, I don't, I just don't like QTEs. I never mm-hmm. did. And I remember everyone back in the day when this was, became a big thing again, because Shinbu was really the game that brought the QTE back. You know, you kind of had Dragon Slayer and, and, and that other game that was, I can't remember, Space Ace? Space Ace. Space, Space yeah. Ace, yes. And, yes, and like those kind of did it, but it didn't really make, the, make it obvious as to what you were doing. It didn't flash things right on the screen. You kind of had to guess a lot of times with those things. But Shinmu was the one that really brought the QTE back into gaming. And I, I just remember everyone being like, this is revolutionary. You know, it makes, it makes these non-interactive cutscenes interactive now. But I'm just like, this is, I hate this. I, I cannot stand when any game does a QTE. Uh, it's just one of those things that, <laughs> for all the good things that Shinmu did as far as like, for for what it would do for open world games in the future, bringing the QTE back was my least favorite thing that Shinmu accomplished. It can be used well. I mean, God of War has some, for example, at yes, the end of yeah. boss fights and things, but it's at the end of a boss fight. And it yeah. makes it so if you fail it, you know, you have to go back and fight the boss a little bit to get another QTE that will be slightly different, but the same idea. I mean, I, I think they can be used very well. And, and not every QTE in this game is miserable, but every miserable QTE you can come up with is in this game. <laughs> um, and and it's, it's used more often than combat, early on especially. Um, yeah. The first half of the game, I'd say there might be two real fights and the rest are, are QTEs uh, that you have to do to get through just to, you know, a guy throws something at you, the QTE at the right time to catch it. You know, it's just like, okay, that that was unnecessary. I get why, why it's here to teach me how to use them. Um, but, you know, that said, I still, even playing it now, I got through them. I, I didn't hate them. I just think they're unnecessary. They were kind of like, you know, there's a scene on a motorcycle in the harbor where it, you mm. have to drive through mm. and there's these cute... Unnecessary. I mean, you could have just made it a movie. I'd have been fine with that. Because it was only, when you really look at it, like 30 seconds long. But it was four QTEs. Yeah. You have to make sure you don't do it at the right time. Or else you have to watch the build-up to that race and the race and make sure you get through all the QTEs to get to the end just to get, you know, one story piece. It, it, it Unnecessary, but, but kind of cool. Um but yeah, so th- those three things are the bulk of this game. And towards the end, there's a lot more fighting. Um, when, mm-hmm. when the harbor section, I'd say, uh, especially the end, you know, where it ramps up significantly, uh, is a lot more of that fighting. You do learn yeah. new moves. You can find scrolls in some stores. You can find people that will teach you uh, new fighting moves. What I like is <laughs> someone will offer to teach you a fighting move, and they always make it sound like it's like, you're only going to ask you one time. Do you want my help? And then a little thing comes up and it's like, accept or decline. There's no reason to decline any of these. I guess if you wanted to make the game significantly harder for yourself, you could decline all this extra help. But otherwise, you would accept and someone will show you how to do like a super move or like a wonder dodge that lets you just fly behind him and stick him, you know, jab him in the neck or uh, some kind of like roundhouse kick or something that you can't do basic, but you don't need them to fight. But it certainly gives you some more options and they look cool. It's worth doing. Mm-hmm. Um, I think this game needed a little more of that. And a little less of the QTEs and, and a lot less of the walking around talking to people uh, to, to get the story to go forward. Because there, I mean, without getting into to specifics of, you know, you have to talk to these eight people. Some of the, the talking to people sections, I just basically just talk to everybody till eventually it like goes ding and you have a little notebook that gives you a little more information where it'll just scribble mm-hmm. in like, oh, try try going to these two bars. Like, okay, at least I got a step. But I had to talk to just any random person who eventually someone's like, I think they're over at the jazz bar. You're like, okay, great. Uh, <laughs> you know, it's like, man, this is this is painful. I, I liked it, uh, but 
it definitely wears you down. And it doesn't help that the game has a built-in clock. You have yes. a watch that's on the top oh, of the screen. I should have brought yeah, this, this up earlier because it, it's it it is fast. I'd say a full day in 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 the game of of daylight. Uh, you wake up every morning at seven thirty in your house. You then have to walk to wherever you want to go, which sometimes can be a little far. There is a a mild, extremely mild quick travel when you leave your house, but that's the only time you can use it. Uh, so if you want to go straight to Dobuita, you can. You don't have to walk through the other little town areas to get there. But going back home, which you must do every day, uh, you have to walk back through everything. Uh, you So you get up at 7.30, and you have to be back at your house by you know 11 o'clock p.m., but the clock moves fast. I, I mean, I think the whole day is less than an hour of real time. Like a, a day in this game is an hour of human time. Is that is that more or less right? You think? It seems uh, you're right, but at the same time, there are parts in that game, especially when you're wanting to progress, where it feels like it's way longer than an hour, because uh, I would say a good sixty percent or more of that game is just okay. You finally found out what you need to progress, but you mm-hmm. now have to wait until you can get to this point to progress. Mm -hmm. And sometimes it's not even in the same day. You know, it's just not like, oh, go to this place in a few hours. It's just like, go to this place in a couple of days. Yeah, I wish, uh, I wish they would have took their pick. Either have the, you know, have the the clock up there and not such specific times, you know, to, to have to meet people or be somewhere. Or have that and just have a slower clock. At the way it is now, yeah, I mean, there, there's so many times that you miss things or you just have to fucking wait. And and it's painful. And and, and like Jeremy said, it, it seems like it flies by sometimes until the first time you have to hunker down on wait on something. Yeah, there, there's a certain point where you're supposed to meet someone, you know, in the arcade at 9 p.m. or something. And you mm-hmm. get that tip at like 10 a.m. Mm-hmm. So you have to wait around town. There's there's nothing that lets you progress time faster. Um, that does happen in Shenmue 2. That is something that was added to the game mm-hmm. later, thankfully, uh, to the series, I guess. But uh, in this game, <laughs> there is a motorcycle section, uh, which is good to know. <laughs> um, in, in this game, they don't give you any way to progress the time forward faster at all it's not like doing certain things makes time go by faster you can't like i'll go get dinner and then two hours go by or something because at least then you could eat dinner seven times no you have to just walk around i mean you could just stand there and there were definitely times especially towards the end of this where i knew i had to wait till nightfall because nightfall happens Mm -hmm. every day at seven and there's a little scene that shows night change and then different people are around or people say different things or some shops are closed different times Uh, so I, i would get to where i needed to be and then just go about my actual real life i did dishes or i <laughs> i would leave that on tv and, and, and play oh, something boy. on my my, uh, my vita and just let time go by because i was like i could walk around and do random things but even though you can walk around and do stuff you don't really have that many real things to do you can talk to anybody and if they have nothing to tell you towards the mission which most people don't they'll just talk about nothing or they'll just say things like uh, hey, Rio, you should buy our bread. And you're like, okay, I'm glad I talked to that guy. I mean, it's all, it's stuff that is, is interesting you can do it the first time, but if you have to wait eight hours, you're not going to sit there and talk Nothing to the same to people do. about You could bread. play Space Harrier. Well, that's, so they, there are some amazing places you can go and things you can I do to kill I will say this. This game, and maybe they put it in there because of all the waiting. It has, uh, my biggest compliment to it, it has uh, some pretty excellent diversions 
from from the story if if you just want to waste your time on there they're excellent the first time and they are they're super fun the first mm-hmm. time but mm-hmm. after you've played this for a while uh, and this is my third playthrough of this game uh, those things are less interesting and mm-hmm. and not worth they don't give you anything in game of value you might get a uh, i think a, some of these things get you uh, achievements now but whoopee but as far as uh as in-game bonuses for example there's an arcade which you just mentioned and yes you can play uh hang on and you can play space harrier that's awesome that's great and they're full games you can sit there and play them as long as you want um if you get top scores the guy in the arcade says hey great time or whatever he's you know it's it's something you can do for fun but it doesn't make time go by faster mm-hmm. uh and I honestly don't like Space Harrier. Uh, I, I will play it, but I, I don't enjoy it. And and Hang On was fun at first, but again, after playing this several times, the novelty of playing those things wears off fast. Mm-hmm. Uh, they also have like a darts game in the arcade you can play. They have a, a handful of games that are essentially QTE practice games. Uh, again, no, no point. It's not like they make it so the QTEs are easier for you in the game, other than that you are actually better at doing them as a player. But uh, but you can do those things. There's a, uh, a a slot house. You can go to the slot house and play <laughs> slots uh, for no reason. They, you don't win anything with this. It's not like you win real money. You you turn them into chips and you win more chips. And then when you try to leave, the guy's like, "I'll keep those chips for you, Buck." And you're like, "Okay, great." <laughs> so you can just mass a whole bunch of chips. Again, maybe that's an achievement. I don't care uh, necessarily <laughs> about that. And despite my horrific gambling problem in real life, uh, slots not enjoyable in any way, uh, anywhere, except for in Super Mario Brothers 2. So I don't normally play slots, although I did in this game to kill time, but even then I was like, this is, I should just play, you know, something else on another system while I'm waiting for time to go by eight hours so that I can talk to a guy in a phone booth. <laughs> um, there, are short, there, are, there are little shops you can go to, and there are collectibles you can find. Billy already mentioned, you know, those little gumball machines or whatever that give you the little plastic containers uh-huh. that have a little figure in them. There's lots of those, and, and in theory, I think there's 75 you can get, uh, and they are randomized, so if you want to waste a lot of time, you could try to get all those. Uh, there are uh, cassettes that is how you get the, the music player for the games. You can find all these cassettes, and then you walk around town, you can play those songs instead. Uh, none of those songs are that good, though, so you're not really going to do that. <laughs> <laughs> um, I mean, they're fine for what the game is, but the music in Shenmue did not age as well as you might think <laughs> in 2018 uh, to be good. I gotta give up, uh, 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 the funky rhythm, uh, uh, uh. But, but there's a lot you, you can waste time on. But ultimately, especially after you've played through the first half of the game, the things you can waste time on, you don't want to do. You just have to end up killing time any way you can. And that's what it comes down to. It's like this game wants you to waste a lot of time because that's just how the story progresses a lot. And once you, like everything that you just mentioned is everything that you can do in this game to waste time. Now... Like compared to a modern game, like something like GTA V, there are tons and tons and tons of things to waste time with, uh-huh. even though you don't really need to. It just gives you those things. But Shinmu, it just you've got your arcade games, you've got your slot machine, you've got some some toy capsules, and that's basically it. There's just not really much else that you can do to waste time in this game, 
And and that's really where a lot of the pain comes in of trying to play this game now. Because back in the day, I didn't mind going to that arcade and playing Hang On and Space Harrier. It was neat. Like, that was just like, holy shit, there's an arcade in this game that I can play old arcade games in. That's awesome. You know, I've got a Sega Saturn in my room that I can collect these those two games for and play them in my room on my Sega Saturn. It was just one of those things. I, at the time, there was it, it was new enough that it wasn't too bad but trying to do that now there there's just a severe there's just not enough stuff in this mm-hmm. game to to waste time with especially with you know we we kind of mentioned that it's it, it's only an hour a, a day is only like an hour or so long but at, at some point after like the fourth or fifth time this game is making you wait to progress the story i mean you yeah, you could just go out and, and instead of eating dinner, and you just go out and eat dinner in real life and come back. <laughs> and the, you're probably there, you know. It's probably nighttime at that point. So, yeah, it's just, I, I really, playing it again this time, that was like the biggest shock. I was like, oh, my God, you just have to waste so much time with, with this game to, to make it progress. Well, and that same idea where you're stuck in in quote real time even though it's faster than real time but you're stuck on the game's clock so there are things you have to wait for certain times for uh, a great example of something that at first time i thought this was super cool but even by the second time i was like this is far less cool than i thought it was earlier is to get to the harbor you have to take a bus and it's not like you can go to the bus stop and a bus will show up after a minute or whatever you still go to the bus stop and there's a bus schedule so the bus may not come till you know 30 minutes later and so you're just standing at the bus stop. I mean, not 30 minutes of real time, thank God. But 30 minutes may be three full minutes. You're just standing there for three minutes while you watch the clock tick down so that you can eventually get on the bus. And you're like, this this is not going to work for me. This game is, <laughs> is pushing my patience every way it can. <laughs> even things that were you know, kind of cool and, and even then were outdated but kind of cool. Phones, for example. To use the phones, which you do have to use in the game, uh, you'll get phone numbers for people and you write them down in your game notebook. But then you go to the phone, and you can't check the in-game notebook, and it's a rotary phone. So you have to actually move your finger over the number that you want to push on the rotary phone and dial each number in. And hopefully, you know, I end up, it, I just took pictures of them with my cell phone in real life, so I wouldn't have to look them up. But I know I wrote these down when I played it through the first time. And the, there are phone numbers that you don't need that you get from people that also write in your book. So, uh, you know, there are times in the game where you're like, I... I'm just going to call people because I don't know how to progress the story any better. Uh, a, a great example is later on, you, you get a call. You have to go to the harbor at midnight, uh, essentially, to, to progress the story. And the buses don't run that late. So you have to figure out what to do. And I just called everybody on the phone book till someone let me borrow their motorcycle. <laughs> <laughs> and it's like, I, I, it, it's cool that these things are there. And, and I, I love you know, graphic adventures. I'm a big fan of, of, you know, games like Maniac Mansion and, um, you know, even the King's Quest or even Myst. You know, I mean, I like games where I have to figure stuff out. So the parts of this game where you're walking around, you're trying to figure out where to be at certain times, I do enjoy that in theory. And I loved it when it was new because I didn't care that I was waiting 15 minutes for a bus. But now I don't have the patience for that. Uh, so thankfully, I have a million other things in real life I can do on the side. I can play my Game Boy or whatever for five minutes, or you know, talk on the phone or look at Facebook, so that I can get through uh, much like I do in my real life when I'm waiting for a bus or a plane or anything else. Just play on Facebook. It's a it's a quick way to make that happen. Uh, when you get to the harbor, though, 
And this is something we told Billy about several times. You have to get to this point of the game, then we can talk about it. Mm-hmm. In in the story, <laughs> it makes sense why this happens. You find out that that there's a gang that works out of the harbor that's dealing with the Chinese mafia, and that's how this guy Landy is going to get to China. And then he's the connection. These this gang is your connection to Landy. But in order to get you know trust enough at the harbor and to be there long enough to where you can stay and not not be suspect uh, suspicious, you have to get a job at the harbor. So after you figure out what you can do for a job, that job is you can drive forklifts to move boxes around. And you will then get a series of days in game where you essentially work an eight-hour shift in a warehouse <laughs> moving boxes with a forklift. I'll tell you this. Isn't this a fucking fantasy come true? <laughs> Everything I, I've I, ever wanted to do I, was just... You guys kept telling me. You kept telling me, wait till you get to the forklift. And I thought, maybe it's just some amusing moment with a forklift. And the first time I got to the harbor, off of the background, there's a man on a forklift. I said, well, is this it? What's going to happen? What's going to happen with this forklift? I didn't know. I was, I was just going to be fucking driving the thing. And an exact simulation of just a, a back-breaking, mind-numbing, nine-to-five job. Well, yeah, and, and, I was going to say, like, this isn't just, like, anything that, you know, you don't get to be a forklift driver and it's mixed up with some cool martial arts fights or anything. You're just a forklift driver. <laughs> that's it. That's what you do. And the game, again, is, is is let's say it's an hour long from when you get up at 7.30 to when you go to you have to go to bed at 11. So it's an hour. And you're working from from 9 to 5. And, and the first part of your day is walking to work. And then you work for eight hours till 5. And then you get to, then you get to finally... Try to progress the story at, at five o'clock uh, for for three or four hours till you head back to your house. So, in an actual hour, you're working as a fake forklift driver for forty <laughs> minutes of every hour you're playing this game in the last half of the game. And the and it's not like you can do a whole bunch of things if you know exactly how to progress the story. You can't get your job and do one day as a, as a shift on uh, on the job and then and then hit all these flags so that you can immediately go to the next section of the game. No sir. You get one like progression point a day out of like eight progression points you must make to get to the the next section of the game which is where you you find the gang and you you finally get to go back at at night. Up until that point you're going to work like five or six days at this fucking forklift <laughs> job. And you're going to work <laughs> the, all... You can't, like, not do it. You can't just be like, I don't want to work as a forklift driver. I mean, you could sit still. Okay. You'll never get fired. But you also earn money by by driving these forklifts. So if you're trying to do anything extra, because you don't really need the money for anything that matters. Um, if you're going to try to get all the collectibles or buy a bunch of stuff in the stores or spend all your money on slots, you've got to do this anyway. So you might as well do it. And in a way, it's kind of relaxing. Uh, when I did the first couple of days, I was like, this isn't so bad. But by the fifth day, I was like, fuck this forklift. And I knew it was coming. And I still was like, this is this is unbearable. They should give you an option to just be like, I'm not going to use this goddamn forklift today. Go ahead and fire me. I mean, what, what it's, it is painful. And, and, this... <laughs> and to make matters worse, every morning in the game, after the first day, when you get your training or whatever and how to use a forklift, um, the next day you show up and b- before the shift starts... You have a mandatory <laughs> forklift race that is... If, th- if this was an actual... Ju- you could sign me up at this point. I, I mean, Hell yeah. <laughs> I, 
you get there, you, the you challenge the other four forklift drivers to your, your race, and you, you do three laps through this, the, a bunch of narrow passageways. Uh, the downside of this, uh, other than that you're forced to do it and there's no way to skip it, is that if your forklift hits anything, including a cat that wanders around, it basically stops dead. And you have to back up and then go forward. And all those other dudes racing never hit a goddamn thing, ever. So not only are you in a race that's very, very hard to win, although I did get my first place on it uh, one time, uh, it is it, uh, it is like, it reminds, well, it won't, it, I guess uh, the, the race sections of, uh, like the, the, the time race sections of Deadly Premonition remind me of this race section because mm. the car stops on anything. It also has like goofy music that plays like there. It's like some terrible fake rock song that plays while you're like, <laughs> like metal song where you're driving this forklift around. It, it is. Uh, it was, it was at this point, even though I knew exactly what was coming, this wasn't a surprise to me. I remembered this very clearly. I, my, my patience was tested with these forklift races and the forklift sections where I was just like, I'm going to do one of these a day. I still have a week to, we're going to talk about this game. So I've got time. I'm done with this forklift. And I, and I think my jaw was on the ground the entire time. I didn't believe you guys. Uh, shortly after you talked about, Oh, wait till you get to the forklift. <laughs> and, then, and then you're like, Oh, and then the forklift race. I was like, no, they're clowning me now. There's no fucking way. You're going to be racing a damn forklift in this game. Oh, man. I... Yeah, I don't have... I'm at a loss, and I was at a loss that entire time. Oh, it's What's, what's it like uh, spending a whole day at work and then coming home and then... I was telling it just Clocking today, into I... Shinmu. <laughs> I got home. I got home. I just put in 10 hours, and now I'm... Now I'm putting in ten hours. I guess ten hours forty today, and it's just it's the fact that it's not it's not fancied up. It's not spruced up. It is just dull forklift work. <laughs> yeah, so I was gonna say like they could have just thrown in maybe something like you know the, some sort of intrigue. Like somebody would yeah. There was like season two of uh, oh, I was a cop show I was watching not too long ago where they're all in a you know that kind of environment on a shipyard or whatever mm-hmm. but you're just like sprinkle in something that would that would maybe carry the story along or, or anything during that but it's literally just it's forklift work if it should just be forklift simulator i mean that's really mm-hmm. what mm-hmm. Th- that third disc is like a, a good majority of it well and again you, you want to progress this, or at least i did i was like i i want to see where this game is going the actual mm-hmm. storyline I, I mean it's not going to win any awards because it's pretty pretty standard you know kung fu movie storyline but but yeah there's there's obviously an old chinese man that lives somewhere at the harbor that's going to slowly give you clues as what to do and he gives you a few jobs here and there and uh, but but in the middle of that because you can only do one thing a day that matters for the story the rest of yeah you're you're just you're just doing that and then i in a in the most insulting way you get a two-hour lunch break so you come (laughs) in and you work for 10 15 minutes and then you got like 10 minutes to walk around that you cannot progress the story in uh, with one exception the right you're just there to walk around and talk to people who will give you no information uh, realistically because if there was a gang that's running your harbor the last thing you do is blab to the new guy about this gang that runs the harbor um, but but yes the rest of the time you're just talking to people who fish you're like oh, I heard about those guys they throw trash in the harbor I'm like okay 
that's not helpful, but everybody says the same thing that's fishing. Like it was, it was like, I was hoping every day this would be when the plot progresses at lunch, but it only happens one time and it's pretty, pretty lame. Like your girlfriend shows up and you take a picture with her and that's it. That's the only thing that matters that happens at lunchtime. The rest of the time, it's just, you can wander around and I guess in theory, you could go hang out at the, uh, the company shop there and, and, and buy cassettes <laughs> and little toys. It is, it, it's again, it's, it's a bunch of really cool ideas but without the filter of someone saying, but is that fun? And, and like that part wasn't there. Like, but it doesn't matter if it's fun. Real life isn't fun. And that's that's how we're going to make this so it's like real life. But yeah, it, it should be fun, though. Like it, it, one day of forklift work, okay, I'll, I'll make it work. But six days is unacceptable. This is just the most patient. Uh, someone killed his father. And he's going <laughs> to take a fucking job driving a forklift eight hours a day for a week. While the killer's out there. Just, yeah. just, uh, it, I don't know. <laughs> <It is. laughs> I don't know. Don't. And like me and Billy both, you know, we enjoy our, our walking simulators. Yes. Uh, that is, I, that's, I've never I was, played a forklift simulator. Yeah, well, I was, I was, you know, I knew what I thought uh, about Shinmu before I started it. But I was, since you had never played it before, and I know you're, mm-hmm. you're a big fan of walking simulators and I things am. like that, that... Coming into this, you know, Shinmu is almost a walking simulator <laughs> for it the is. majority it, of this game. It's, it's a third person one, but you know, the thing I like about walking simulators though is that it's they're usually not the longest games in the world. I mean, they are, you know, the longest one I played was probably what Firewatch, and that wasn't a an extensive game. And it was, you know, the, the they do a good job. The pace is slow that you move at, but the story in those usually. Just kind of, you know, it keeps coming. It uh, it it gets it done pretty efficiently. Um, but I mean, I guess this is what would happen if one just kind of, kind of run amok. Yeah, it definitely is is not the best paced story. Um, I, I mean, I think the idea is you're not supposed to rush through it. And you're supposed to take your time. But, um, mm-hmm. you know, uh, it, it, that said, even though I did take my time and I did, ex- you know, explore and do a lot of things, there's there's just too much back and forth there's too many things where you're supposed to wait a long time uh there's a lot of of poorly placed clues that you have to just kind of uh, Mm -hmm. randomly just wander around and talk to people until eventually someone says something that goes ding and you're like okay what's in my notebook and sometimes it doesn't even make any sense that that's what came up in your notebook because it's not what they told you it's not anything drastically wrong it's not like you talk to a guy Mm -hmm. and he's like try our bread and it's a ding hey the guy's in the courtyard i mean but it's still Sometimes it'll just, you know, oh, I think there's a lot of Chinese people over at the harbor. And then all of a sudden, you you know, you go to your, your notebook and it's like, try going to the harbor at 8 p.m. You're like, well, that's not really what was just said to me. I mean, it kind of was, but, you know, whatever. It, it works. It got me to the end of the game. Uh, did you did you finish this, Billy? I know that Jeremy's finished before. I don't know if you finished it playing it this time. I, uh, I, I did, did not get a chance. The last thing I did was the, uh, the fucking QTE motorcycle. Okay, Brace. so you, you got far. If you get to the harbor, yeah. and, and especially if you've done the uh, any of the uh, the forklift sections, you've pretty mm-hmm. much seen enough of the game for, for the purpose of, you know, do you like it or not? So do you, are you going to finish it? It's weird, because I, I, I think I had about... I, I wouldn't say I'm uh, complaining, or like I'm, I'm not damning the game more than I'm just, I'm just bewildered by some of the some of the decisions made in it uh but i guess a lot of that is just because this was such a a a groundbreaking thing like nowadays uh we complained about having to wait 
uh, now it's standard, like uh, Spider-Man, like I was talking about playing you know, earlier on. If you do something and it needs to be nighttime, you know, it, it flashes an animation of, you know, sped up the, you know, the whole cycle, you know, day and then it gets dark and then there you are and it's nighttime. And I think a lot of games do that now. Um, you know, Grand Theft Auto, if you had a, a night mission, it would go ahead and just kind of, but uh, yeah, but I mean, at the time, and I try to keep that in mind. I try to keep in mind that this game kind of was uh, the first at a lot of things. Um it kind of it kind of innovative at a lot of things, and back then it would have been impressive. But now, who I, I don't think we're conditioned now to have the patience that this game calls for. So it's so it's a little jarring. Uh, I, I think my only really legitimate, n- extremely negative complaint is the the sound quality, like we talked about. But I mean, do we? That's just a, a technical limitation. Um, that, that there's no fixing, not even on this remaster. Uh, it's it's poor. It's 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 very poor, um, and and takes away a little bit. Uh, but everything I have said so far, uh, my trouble with the oh, the pacing of it, um, I wasn't miserable at any point. Uh, there was some. There was a lot of me just wondering why the fuck is this happening? Why am I still driving this forklift around? Um, uh, but I was never like miserable while I played. I, I think I always was at least having a good time, or at the worst, uh, not having a great time, but still interested to see when and how the the story would progress along. Um, so yeah, I'm going to finish this one, um, and I will go on after that to uh, you know try the second one out and and see what I think of it. Um, and if, if that goes over well, and if it does ever happen, uh, maybe look into that third. Um, it's, it, this is a, it's a strange game. And, and I kind of went into it without any of the, the ties of having played it in the past and you know, the nostalgia that comes with that. So uh, it's, it's jarring if, if you haven't played it before. Um, it's certainly, you're going to find out that it's, it's nothing even though it's the precursor to a lot of the the kind of open world games we play today it is not like those in a lot in a lot of ways it's it's very rough around the edges in in some respects um but it's not a bad game it's a good game and i i think i can see why people enjoy it and why people look back so fondly on it um i'm not going to say that it's once I'm finished with it, I don't think I'll be going back to play through it again, uh, just because of the kind of time demand for it. And and yeah, I get a little antsy, you know, with all the, the having to wait around. Uh, but yeah, I, I don't regret having played it, and will continue to play it. So that's that's probably high praise. Yeah, that's that's why. Well, make no mistake for anyone that played it back in the day, Shinmu was incredibly innovative. Mm-hmm. But I don't think I ever want to play it again. It's, it's a one. It's a one play. It, it's it's a one play, and I think um, having when I finish it, I will you know be glad that I played through it, just because I think it's one of those games held in such high regard and probably of such you know historical significance in, in video games that it's it, it almost seems like it's one of those you need to play through or at least try to play through. Um, 
But no, this is not going to be one of those, you know, next year or a couple of years. It's like, hey, let's pick this up and play it again. That That's not going to happen. Well, I've played it. This is my third time through it, um, mm-hmm. at least since the it originally came out in 1999. Mm-hmm. Uh, it is, or 2000 here. It It is definitely not something you're going to play again. Like, now that I finish it again, I'm not playing it again. I'm probably yeah. for the entire of the time that the PS4 is a current system. Uh, I, I will play Shenmue 2. I did start playing Shenmue 2. Uh, mm-hmm. I'd owned that on the Xbox when it came out uh, here originally. I don't know if, if Jeremy played a lot of the second one. Uh, I never finished the second one, so I'm going to now, uh, only because of a problem with my Xbox. But the second one is a is better in many ways. It It's still not... I mean, the complaint the complaints we've made about this, aside from the waiting around because the game does let you advance the clock on it on your own, uh, mm-hmm. are still there. There's still definitely parts where you're walking around. It feels like you're talking to random people. You're asking the same questions to everybody. Hi, I'm looking for sailors. Have you seen any sailors? Do you know where sailors are? I mean, it's the same stuff you're going to do in the second one. The script's a little better, so it doesn't seem mm-hmm. quite as stilted. And there's definitely more things to do. Although I will say from my memory, 90% of better things to do is gambling. Uh, now, again, for me, that's not a problem. I'm a big fan. Uh, but there is a lot of gambling in the game. There's dice games. Mm-hmm. There's a, a game called Lucky Hit, where you, like the carnival games, where you put the ball at the top of like a bunch of nails and it goes down to bins. Uh, there's a section in that in the, the second game where instead of driving forklifts, uh, you are running a Lucky Hit board. So you're just asking people <laughs> who come by if they want to play Lucky Hit. Uh and, Holy shit! And I, I remember that being painfully long, even when it was new. And I have not gotten that far in my playthrough of Shemu Two, which I just started today, just to see if it was better than I remember or not. It it is, it's definitely a, a more fun game than Shenmue One, but it's still the same kind of game. So it's not like all of a sudden it it morphs into a 3D action brawler. It's not. Uh-huh. It's not. Uh, in fact, the first thing you do when you get there. Uh, after uh, you, the end of this game is where you, you find a way to get to Hong Kong. So the second game is, is when you get to Hong Kong. And uh, and the first thing you do after you, you wander around and figure out how to get to where you're headed is you find an arm wrestling ring and you can learn how to arm wrestle. And it's things like that that are all over the place. Arm wrestling, lucky hit. Uh, there, there's, there's other gambling. There's there, there's I remember at some point there was like street fighting you get to do. I mean, it, there's a lot more to do, but it still is a lot of walking around, talking to people, trying to figure out exactly what to do to advance the story next. I do believe money plays a much bigger part in the second game. So there's some of those things you can do for fun, like gambling and playing lucky hit and arm wrestling. You do for money to try to advance the story as well. Uh, which is one of the places I remember I get stuck in the second one. Uh, that said, I, I do love this series. I mean, it's mm-hmm. it's not perfect by any means. I want to see it finished. I'm very glad that there's a good chance we'll at least see Chapter 3, or I guess it's Chapter... The, the third game, I think it's going to be four games now instead of 16 games, but the four games will be 16 chapters or something like that. It, it is The third game is not the end. Uh, I mean, maybe it'll be the last one that comes out, but it's not the end of the story. Uh, as of right now, uh, Yu Suzuki has said he wants to create more, so the third game will not be the end in the series if it comes out next year. Uh, I'm definitely going to play it, uh, and I'm I'm very excited that, that it's come back out again. I, I don't know if everybody will appreciate it if they didn't play it before uh, or, or didn't play games like it. I will say if, if you've only played the Yakuza games that Sega put out, they're very similar to this, but... That the voice that says, but is it fun, is screaming at you in those games, make it fun. So those games are way goofier. Uh, you know, all the side quests in those games are like, 
you, you know, you're trying to stop a guy from selling girls panties on the street or whatever. Like it's the most goofy side quests uh, in this game where you're a, a mobster that <laughs> just goes out and punches people for oh. money. Uh, it it's a those are great games. I highly recommend those. I think a lot of the complaints we've made on these games, uh, you know, do not apply to those games. I think they're a better. Uh, more accessible version of, of what this game is trying to do, but not serious. This game, mm-hmm. even though there are some goofy parts and there are some parts that are supposed to be funny, I think, uh, is still a serious game with a with a serious story. And I would like to see it finish. I, I'm I'm intrigued. If nothing else, I want to know what profession you take on in the third. I have from damn forklift driver to running a damn plinko board. The second, I, I'm I'm excited. Maybe a bank teller. So yeah, Shenmue, uh, it is a, an interesting series. We all recommend at least at least playing it. Uh, it's it's definitely clunky, and my my fear slash hope is that the third one is just as clunky because I think that's <laughs> part of the charm of the series. Uh, but I guess we'll find out next year if it actually shows up. Uh, this week we have another listener question. As a reminder, you can send us a listener question on Retrovania.net. We put up a mailer, like a, a little fill-in-the-blank thing to send us questions. That's way easier than any other way. So please, you know, if you have a question for us, send it that way, and we will probably answer it on the show like we are this week with this question. Yeah, the, uh, this show's question uh, comes in from Chris, and uh, it's all about Halloween. And he says, since it is the Halloween season, what are your favorite Halloween movies? These don't necessarily need to be horror movies, just some flicks that you're drawn to during this holiday. Also, since this is a video game podcast, if they haven't already been created, how would you design games based on these movies? One I revisit every year is The Burbs. Maybe the game could be something like those stealth, stealthy sneak around games of new. I haven't played the one that I've got in mind. But I think it's called Hello Neighbor, but retro in aesthetics. Uh, but anyway, thanks for all the goodness you, you guys bring, especially during my favorite holiday. I would buy and play a Burbs game today. Oh, if it yeah. showed up today, it would be like I would have already purchased it. We would cancel this episode and talk about the <laughs> Burbs game. So that that's a game that should exist. Um, this kind of time of year, I definitely watch. I mean, I watch a lot of horror movies anyway it, uh, when I can. It's hard with two little kids because technically that makes me a bad parent. But I still do it. Uh, this time of year, uh, movies I'm drawn to are ones... I mean, I love the Halloween series, and even though that's a cheesy mm-hmm. answer, they are the best Halloween movies. Uh, I love Halloween 3, the least Halloween of the Halloween movies. Oh, especially because yeah. it's so... It's such a goofy Halloween movie. I love it. Uh, I would love a game based on that. Uh, it would have to, you know, it have to have, you know, uh, Silent Hill style wandering around and and uh, and a little bit of sneaking. Uh, I a lot of those movies would end up, I guess, having sections that play a lot like uh, Outlast, which is fine. But Outlast is the kind of game that uh, I can only play in short bursts because it's just too much, uh, too much tension to keep playing. Um, but that's what most of those armies would be if you're running away from a killer and hiding in an old barn or whatever. It would all be things like that. So. I, I suppose that that uh, that happens. But yeah, I, I watch mainly the classics around Halloween. I try not to watch Friday the Thirteenth or Nightmare on Elm Street or Halloween any other time of year, and I just plow through all those movies again. 
uh, in October. Uh, and and I, I guarantee I'll be playing my own uh, you know series of, of Halloween theme games. I think we talked about mm-hmm. it kind of off offline. You know what are we going to play? You know what do we still have in our queues or whatever? And, and for me, I'm going to do a Deadly Premonition playthrough. And, oh. uh, and I said that last year though, and I didn't get through it. So this year I'm going to do so. Mm-hmm. Um, and and yeah, I I definitely uh, taking a lot of horror films. Uh, starting October first, I. For several years now, have watched a, a horror film per night, at least one, um, every night in October, and and it varies. I try to change it up a little bit and, and just kind of throw in, you know, whatever got released that year um, that that had you know at least fairly decent review. Well, I find with horror films you can't really go by reviews. Some of the some of the real gems are the uh, the more poorly reviewed ones. Um, but yeah, I I watch. Uh, a lot of them, and and I have some steady ones in the rotation. You know, you're it's it's some of the standards. You know, your Nightmare on Elm Streets, uh, Friday Thirteenth, big on uh, Halloween one and two. We watch every Halloween night. Uh, we you know we started up at seven or eight and just watch both of those in a row if we're home on Halloween night. Uh, Candyman series. Well, and the thing about horror series are that. Uh, if they extend beyond two or three films, there's at least one or two shitty ones in there. So it's a lot of watching, you know, parts one and two, but not three. Or part one, skip over two and three and watch four. Uh, but yeah, Hellraiser, one through three. Uh, Candyman, one and two. Three, if you're good and drunk, because it was not a good one by far. Um, but yeah, uh, and a lot of Evil Dead. Evil Dead is a, is one of those that makes it in every year, uh, one and two, and the remake, which was actually pretty damn good. Um, but yeah, and as far as uh, turning them into video games, it's like Jeremy P said. Uh, I, I think Outlast is probably uh, the template for uh, any game where there's a, a monster or some ominous uh, individual or force that you're having to to run from or, or hide from. But as far as evil dead goes, they have, they've tried that with, with moderate success, I guess. Um, I played all the evil dead games. I mean, not the Atari (laughs) one, I guess, or or C64, but the, the more recent ones, the PlayStation, uh, and, and I played all of them and, and they, they feed more off of army of darkness than evil Dead. yes so and that's, that's the trouble army of darkness is once you got your uh you know your slapstick into it so th- so you're not getting a pure horror game with them which is especially around the time that you had the the little uh was it the uh ted raimi voiced sidekick i think that yeah yeah that, you around. the first one uh was actually not uh was a hail of the king maybe i forgot yes, what order they that came played in. like a direct sequel to Right, well, and it played like a bad Resident Evil, which already yeah. had bad controls to begin with, because I'm talking the first two or three Resident Evils when I say that. Um, mm-hmm. But it was, it, it, the controls were painful. I did finish that, and it definitely had sections that felt unfinished. But it was, it was if, if you like Army of Darkness humor, uh, mm-hmm. then, then it wasn't terrible. Uh, the, the other two, Fistful of Boomstick and Regeneration, I think they are, uh, yeah. are just more like honestly like gauntlet like they're just they're just slashers yeah and they're fine and they do have that humor to them but there's yeah, nothing think, scary and, about yeah, it and either. the charm was you know bruce campbell came on board for all of them so i mean yes. at least the 
Yeah, you were going to get the the you know, the voice work in them was stellar, and, and you know that humor was there if you if you wanted it. But I was, I, I was always a little dejected that it was it was playing up more towards the once the the franchise had had turned that corner to to kind of more humor. Well, I've I've really only got a couple myself. Uh, last year, I decided to hurt myself and watch all of the Leprechaun films. Uh, towards the end of hey of now the, that's, that's <laughs> no. good watching I well, for the last, for the last I'm three so years sorry. and watched them all except Leprechaun in Space yeah that's well, the worst that's so yeah, bad I, went, I got to that point and by the time it was over I just wanted to lay down and sleep for the rest of the year but uh, I, I would you know if you want to talk about making a game and making a movie into a game like do that maybe maybe like the the newer like uh, Friday the 13th game that just came out but instead of Jason you, you play as Leprechaun and you know you have to find new and exciting ways to use use him to <laughs> use the various stereotypes that he's got uh, to to kill random people. Uh, but the other film that I actually do watch uh, for most uh, most years in October is the Saw series. Oh. It is it is one of those series that I know it's bad, but man, it, I just love it. It's just yeah. everything about it is stupid. The stories are just amazingly just, oh, God, everything about it. Uh, and they actually did make a Saw video game. Yes. If, if anyone remembers back on two the first six. Yes, two of them. Uh, that first one wasn't, I mean, it was bad, but it wasn't as bad as it could have been. Uh, it, it wasn't, if you're going to make a Saw game, they made a Saw game, and it it, it pleased me. I, I will say that much. But uh mm-hmm. Yeah, for for a series that you could basically just go in in just about any direction, as far as just uh, you know being like those old games where you're you're the uh, I can't remember the name of it, where you're like the dungeon master and setting traps and stuff for the people that come deception. through. Techmo's yes, deception. Yes, deception. Uh, you know that could make a great saw game where where you're playing as Jigsaw and, and making these various traps for people to come through, uh, or either, you know, switching that around and being the, the person playing through it and trying to get like a puzzle game or something like mm-hmm. that, more of an adventure game. I, I know Telltale just closed down, but man, I was really waiting for that Telltale <laughs> series Saw. Game. Yeah. Uh, that, you know, you know, the weirdest thing about the Saw, that first Saw video game, you know, your, your main character you play as on there. It's fucking uh, Danny Glover from the first film. Yeah. Old yeah, ass Danny. It's a young guy, and it's fucking old ass Danny Glover. Yeah. It, it, it was just a, yeah, it was, it was a strange game. I, it's one of those games, I, I it, to even get a second game out of that, I was shocked. But, you know, to even see a Saw game, I, I was it was pretty, pretty cool for me anyway, mm-hmm. for being one of, the, like, one of ten people out there that actually really like that series, just for the... Just for kind of how dumb it is and, and how much fun it is to watch, uh, I, I, I genuinely think that first that first movie is is pretty good. But everything after oh, yeah. that is is like watching. You just you got to start making drinking games. You got to start yeah. taking shots, and and that's what gets you through them. But that's that's probably the the one film that I go back to, just about every October and watch a few of at least. Yeah, but and I do have to say, in, in regards to the the comment at the end of that question, I, I'm I'm thrilled that someone enjoys our our Halloween offerings because I, I think we try to pull out all the stops every Halloween to put out at least a couple couple of good shows. I think this year will be no different. Uh, we had several ideas we're working on, uh, but thankfully Sony kind of helped us out uh, deciding this because they're going to have a 
Castlevania collection that has Rondo of Blood, which we covered, I think, last year. Uh, if not the year before, I'll definitely be posting that. But also Symphony of the Night, which we've discussed many times. Uh, this will be one of the first games that we're going into where we all can say right now it's amazing. Uh, that said, I think we have a lot we can say about it, especially you know how well it has it held up. Uh, you know what things is it has future Castlevanias done better or worse than this? You know, is this the peak of the series? Who knows? So uh, you know there will be a an HD re- release. It doesn't look like they've enhanced the game other than than a little bit of graphic touches, but uh, but that'll be out right before Halloween. But we're going to cover it on our next episode, the original Symphony of the Night for the Sony PlayStation, or I guess the Saturn if one of you had that, but I'm going to assume <laughs> PlayStation. No, it's, it's definitely... I mean, that Saturn version is, is neat, and it's got some uh, cool stuff to mention, but yeah, I think if you're going to play Symphony of the Night, it's either the PlayStation, PSP, or that 360... Uh, arcade or whatever release that that came out so until then please check us out on retrovania.net again we've got everything uh, pointed to on that one location but you can also just find us on youtube and facebook anywhere as retrovania.net and we will see you next time